Welcome to Thrive Deeper, an ongoing conversation with Dr. Matthew Jacoby, author of the Thrive Bible Reading Guides, teaching pastor, and leader of the Psalmist Band Sons of Korah. Join us as we go deeper into the Bible, discussing the passages as we read them together with Thrive. Now, here's your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 12 of Thrive Deeper. Yes, it is I, your humble host, DJ Payne, and uh, excited to bring you this week's episode where Matt and I finish off the book of Ephesians. Uh, we really go there. This is uh, uh, the finishing off. We go to everywhere from the patriarch and how families are supposed to fit together, all the way to demonology about the spiritual realm. Yeah, that's right. We go all over the place on this week's episode, but we kick it off with a question from you. And we love your questions. Matt and I really love to get and answer your questions. So stay tuned because at the end of the discussion, I'll be back and letting you know how you can send us your questions about what you're reading in Thrive. But without further ado, after the break, we're going to jump straight into it with Matt and I talking about this last section of the book of Ephesians. Last week, but you're last not going to tell me what the question is. No, okay. no. I like it. <laughs> sure, give you give you something to uh, look forward to. Yeah. All right, so we've been uh, reading through uh, the book of Ephesians and absolutely loving uh, every minute of it, um, and uh, we are wrapping up the book of Ephesians in this episode mm-hmm. of the podcast. Uh, as we move into you know future readings with Thrive. Mm. Uh, now, uh, off the back of the last couple of episodes and reading through Ephesians, we've, we're going to kick it off this week a little bit differently. We've got a question. We've got a listener-submitted question. Fantastic. Now, bring them on. Bring it, Bring on the questions. Okay, yes, we need more of them. So please uh, jump into our Facebook group onto our website, thrivetoday.net.au, and submit a question. We've got a question from Shireen, I think it is, and she says, Hi, just reading today's reading in Ephesians 4, and I have a question. What's the difference between an apostle and an evangelist? I feel as though if someone were asked me to explain what a prophet a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist is, I could easily explain it and could easily list people in our current day who are in such roles. I suppose the confusion is because I see evangelists and apostles as having very similar roles. The only thing I could think of was that maybe evangelists are more public people and apostles work more on one-on-one. Anyway, it was just something that got me thinking today and she thought she'd throw it to us. Now, it's, it's kicked off a great discussion here in the group but I thought I would pass it on to you, okay. Matt. Um, yeah, uh, interesting question. <clears throat> um, first of all, uh, most people who fall perhaps into into one of those areas uh, always have a combination of gifts. Like it's not like you know, like I have the gift a- as a teacher, but it, it doesn't mean that that's all. You know, that there isn't a a prophetic element or evangelistic element or a pastoral element. So certainly, let's say Paul as an apostle. Now, yeah. now Paul is an apostle with a capital A. I'll say something about that, capital A, apostle. I'll say something about that in a moment. Great. But clearly, he's also an apostle in in a, the small a sense as well. Um, yet, 
he's clearly being evangelistic. He's clearly being prophetic. He's clearly being pastoral. Yeah. And he's clearly teaching as well. Like he's exercising all of those things, but his role falls perhaps primarily into that of an apostle. Now, um, now about the capital A and the small A <laughs> thing. Now, now that, look, there's some. Th- th- there is actually been a lot of discussion as to how we uh, apply these things. Um, so, and, and we touched on it briefly. <laughs> we did. A, we did a, touch on it. Yeah. Episode. So, and I come from a very skeptical, uh, I guess, sort of mindset when it comes to someone wanting to wave a banner over themselves as, a, as an apostle because the weight of that title and what it is used is used and you know in scripture I like whoa you're, you're yeah, yeah yeah so you're you're thinking positionally that that it, it implies a certain position yes. in the order of God's capital work. A yeah capital, that, that's I the like capital A the so. capital A and um, because, of course, you know, there are the, there are the uh, 12 apostles, and I'm not talking about the ones down the coast here in Australia <laughs> of the uh, big rock formations. I'm actually talking about the original 12 apostles. And there's Paul yes. as, this, um, uh, as this sort of 13th apostle to the, to the Gentiles. These are apostles with capital A because they have a, um, a particular foundation building role. So um, Paul himself, in fact, says, you know, the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Mm. And he understands that there is this capital A apostolic role that is about uh, it's it's something similar actually to the Old Testament prophets, mm-hmm. uh, in, you know Moses in, included, uh, which is about laying the foundation um, uh, foundational teachings uh, of the church. Um, so that 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 is that on that level, apostle that that is a, quite a unique uh, role. Yes, um, and that's what you're calling an apostle with a capital. That's a. the capital A. That 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 is a unique role. Now, of course. Um, there, there are certainly traditions that would say no. That continues. So, for example, the Catholic in the Catholic tradition, um, they would believe that that, you know, continues. So, namely, in the Pope, mm. uh, in fact. Um, so, uh, I would, I would be more comfortable with seeing that in accordance with what Paul himself says. It's a foundational. It's built. The church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Once the foundation is laid, that's uh, you know you that, that, that's again. done. Um, yeah. So. That's capital A uh, apostle. There is, however, so that's the position. However, within the position, there is a gifting because actually in this chapter, um, he's not talking about positions no. so much. He's talking about giftings. Yes, right? that's and the point. So, yeah. yeah. So, so, so what we need to focus on here is these as different kind of giftings. Mm. Which so let's move away from the capital A apostle. So, so the twelve apostles and so forth. That's actually not. I don't think what he's talking about uh, here is talking about uh, a certain kind of gifting. Now, so how does that differ from how does that differ from evangelist or the others? Any uh, other ones? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, the the apostolic uh, gifting that the the actually the Greek word is related to the root word to send. Um, so it's either one who is sent or one who sends or probably the both. Uh, so it's it's a um, it's different to it differs from an evangelist probably in the sense that it's um, more of a uh, leading kind of – so uh, you know, this is Paul not just as an evangelist but as someone who is a, a movement leader, mm-hmm. uh, who plants churches. Um, so it, it's more at, at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, evangelists uh, – the, 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 the 
and, and again, it's hard to be clean cut about this. In fact, I don't think Paul is intending to be really clean cut. I don't think he has clean cut categories. Not, n- not in, in this mind. passage. No, yeah, no, no. not in this passage. So, so let's not be too clean cut about it. But as an approximation, you know, I'd say you know the the evangelist is that. Um, outreach uh, kind of person-to-person outreach. Let's just put like, you know, Billy Graham and so forth out because at times Paul looks like that. So, yes. so that's the tip that I think that's going to be the confusion. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, Paul is this movement leader. He has, he, he has this church planting thing going. He's uh, actually responsible for many different churches, uh, you know, whereas you, your classic evangelist would be much a bit more grassroots, you know, person-to-person sort mm. of thing. Mm. Look, I mean, that's that's a, a, an approximation. Can I, can I jump in here and say, and tell me if I'm wrong, Matt, if there is maybe a little bit of, depending on the culture that you've grown up in, the type of church that you've grown up, mm. sometimes we get this idea that you have a gift, yeah. singular, yeah. full stop, and that's your – it's almost like the people who talk about personality types. Mm. Oh, you're an extrovert and they want to put yeah, you yeah. in a personality box. They chart yeah. you and they tick that box and you're in that. It's almost like a church spiritual way of saying, oh, here's your personality box. You've got this type of yeah. gift and you're locked into that. And I was always taught that because the gifts came from the Spirit, the Spirit, yeah. you know, because Christ through the Spirit gave us gifts, that depending on the circumstance that you were in – you see different, you know, the spirit doing different work in your life and, and enabling you to do different, different things. And we sort of see that in the life of Paul, Paul being the, you know, a massive example and probably too mm. big of shoes to fall. But he is, like you said, capital A, apostle. That's his position. Yeah. But as it comes to the gifts that he flexes as he's in different positions, he makes himself available to whatever is needed in, yeah. that, in that situation. Yeah, that's right. I think, however, and, and, and this discussion probably fits into the whole um, picture of the body and different parts of the body yes. and recognising that actually there are different gifts. We don't all have all of the gifts. No, no. And yet, to some extent, we should all exercise an element of all of the gifts. That's what and I mean. We should all be pastoral. We should all be evangelistic. We should all be uh, equipped to teach to some extent. We should all, you know, so, um, you know, th- there's a sense in which we all need to take some leadership, and that, but that doesn't mean that we're all leaders. It doesn't mean that we're all teachers, yeah. pastors, primarily. You know, yes. that's um, so. Um, uh, so, I think I think we can identify ourselves as being more oriented towards this area of gifting, but that doesn't necessarily exclude uh, the, the other areas yes. of gifting that we need to develop. Yeah. I, I'm always skeptical. You know, you mentioned that of, of this. Approach that says, "Well, I, this is just who I am, and 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 I, and you know, and I I can't do that. Well, actually, there, there we, we need to be able to do a, a I variety can do all of things. things and, I can do all and, things. You know, like yeah. I I've recognised as a pastor, I, like yes, my giftings lie uh, in in more in the teaching area, but there's an element of pastoral, you know, evangelistic. Uh, there's there's a number of different gifts that I need to actually learn, even though I'm not won't major in those. Um, but I think it's a good process for people to think about their giftings. It doesn't, by the way, it doesn't have to fit into these categories as well. That was something yes. we said. It's not like oh, there's just five boxes, and which one are you in? You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, there's, there's, there are other lists actually. In Romans 12, there's another uh, list of gifts there. In Corinthians, there, there, there's another list of gifts in, yes. in Corinthians as well. And remember, the point of this passage wasn't Paul saying, 
And now I'm going to teach you about the five things in the body of Christ. And this yeah, is yeah. it. The point of this passage is Paul saying, we have different things. Yeah. We all fit together. That's yeah. the point. Yeah. Not a, let's check a, check a box. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. So there's our question. Kicking off very differently Thank this morning. of the book of Ephesians. Uh, now we're pretty much in chapter five, chapters five and six. Yeah. Uh, the beginning of chapter five, we'll skip over it really quickly. Um, Paul gets into some pretty heavy moral things that he's teaching mm. the the you know the Ephesians and the churches around in, in some areas there, teaching them basically. And he sums it up in in verse fifteen of chapter five, where he says, you know, be careful then how you live. Yeah. You know, don't be unwise but wise, making the most mm. of opportunity because the days are evil. Mm. He's sort of giving them ideas of of not being foolish, being <laughs> yeah. wise. Stay on track. This is what you're doing. And then in light of that and talking about what God the Father has done and what the what you know what Christ Jesus has done for us, he then talks about submission yeah. when it comes to the home and yeah. roles yeah. and things like that. This causes a lot of controversy in the church. Yeah, today. so it's it's good to talk about I would say it's probably one of the most misunderstood elements. A lot of the controversy that it's that that the gender roles in Ephesians chapter five, and this is what we're talking about. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's the controversy actually is from a misunderstanding, really, of of what's happening here, not actually what the text says. So I'll just um, uh, I'll just read just so that our listeners are familiar with what we're talking. Now, please about start here. off with verse twenty-one. You're going to verse start with verse. That's 21. exactly. You, 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 yes, <laughs> thank <laughs> you. We're on the same page here. <laughs> I was just about to say, it's actually important to begin. Because uh, people with, jump straight to the yeah, next verse yeah. and they forget verse 21. Yeah. So he's saying a whole a whole lot of things um, that we need to do. And in verse 21, he says, submit to one another out of, refer- out of refer- reverence for Christ. So um, he's telling us that we should all submit to each other. I mean, that's important in yeah. important uh, context. So submit to one another. Okay. So wives... Submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit in every uh, thing to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her and cleanse her and so forth. Okay, I'll just uh, stop there. As you can imagine, in our culture today, um, this is this grates against something. Um, but what what tends to grate, as I said, is a misunderstanding of the text because with we come we always come to the text with cultural baggage, right? We come to the text with hundreds of years of cultural baggage. And what what we think of when we read wives submit to your husbands, first of all we take that this out of context because yeah. verse 21 says submit to one another. That's it. right. Yeah. Um, so wives submit to your husbands. Mm. Um, now we tend to think of this as the as the sort of Victorian um, era kind of um, where, situation where, where the wife just completely gives up her life to, to the husband, and and mm. it's interesting. Um, I, I recently finished a, 
a classic a Victorian era novel by George Eliot um, called Middlemarch, which is a novel that explores in the Victorian era explores gender roles actually, mm. and 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 some of the tensions with gender roles and the classic thing in the Victorian era. And this is the baggage that we come. I, I know this is a lot removed, but mm. it's through history that we come to the text with this with this yeah. baggage. Um, you know, it's very much this idea is in that the woman just gives completely gives herself up for um, for her husband and almost loses her identity completely. And you know that they were not expected to really do much hmm. um, uh, or even really know much. You know, and uh, and so that's you know that's explored and in this particular novel and I. It's a classic, one of the great classics of English literature. It's a it's a book that explores the, the the tensions and the contradictions of that. So, the problem there is that it actually does not say wives give yourself up for your husbands. Mm. <laughs> it says husbands give yourself up for your wives. It's actually so submit to one another. Wives submit to husbands, but husbands, I got something special for you. Oh. Saying I got something special for you uh, uh, because he's saying to husbands. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He gave himself up hmm. uh, for for the church. So there's an extra level of sacrifice that's required uh, of husbands. Yeah. And this is the kind of leadership that uh, that God, uh, you know, and, and that Paul is uh, laying down here. It's mm. this idea of leadership that is not um, ruling over, yeah. but Empowering. It's an empowering That's form a great of, of leadership. That's and, a great word. Um, and, and it's a sacrificial form of leadership. And um, and just just to, just to echo yep. that point, Matt. It's funny. So so when Paul gives the instructions for wives in twenty two to twenty four, it's a few. It's a couple of lines. It's a few lines. Yeah, yeah. And he makes it sound very simple and, yep. you know, still deep, you know, talking about the church submitting to Christ yep. and this, uh, you know, this amazing role. But then when he gives the instructions to husbands, it's not this, like, it's deep, like he goes, yeah, yeah. okay, now guys, you've got double the burden yeah. to take. Yeah. And he goes on and on and on and on about what men are, yeah. men are to do, husbands to do. And somehow in our modern Western, you know, civilization mm. mindset, we want to turn this into some role about yeah. feminist and mas- feminine and yeah. masculinity. So this is all. This is about the suppression of, uh, of that, that women here are being suppressed, or, Actually, or something to do the, with the patriarchy, or something to do with yeah, to- that toxic right. masculinity. This is, this is just more patriarchal. Yes. Now you know we, we th- again we need to understand we think about that in a certain way, yeah. and what we can therefore do is throw out the baby, you know, with the bathwater when when it comes uh, to the principles that are being laid down here. Now the fact is actually. Um, against the cultural backdrop of the time, uh, you know, Paul. This is really, this is really quite revolutionary. Yeah. Actually, these words to the husbands: "Husbands, uh, you, you're not like Caesar in your households. Like you, you, you are to exercise this servant, this servant leadership in your household. So it's actually really countercultural. Now, um, in the, a book that I've often quoted from, and I recommend to it. It's it's written by. It's a history book. Uh, Christian history book, but written by from a non-Christian perspective, a book called The Triumph of Christianity by Rodney Stark. He seeks, um, as a non-Christian historian, to answer the question, what are the elements that cause the incredible success and spread and growth of the early church? Yep. How did this happen? Um, and so he, he looks for the elements in this. And one of the elements that Rodney Stark, um, as a, he's a historian and sociologist, 
Um, so he has this sociological lens that he looks through to at Christian history, which is really interesting. And one of the things that he identifies actually is the liberation of women actually in the early church. Wow. And because remember, we need to read this for its cultural in its cultural context. Yeah, he says that, you know women were given equal status. He says they've they can prove that actually from. Um, the, uh, the the catacombs actually the situation as funny as it might sound yeah. the burial situation because in normal Ro- Roman burial situations men had all the accolades and the be- they had the special places oh, wow. and all of it you know and and women almost you wouldn't even know where they were where they were buried yeah. and yet they were an afterthought and yet it was there's total equality uh, in, in terms of the, the burial situation in the Christian community wow um, and I mean that that really is the least of it that's just an indicator I mean in in um, the early writings, um, we see that women were active in the church uh, in in ways that are in, in every way equal uh, with men. Well, now, even even I, by, even by the time that Paul was writing towards the end of his career, yeah, yeah, sense, that's right. Women, you know, the roles yeah, yeah. that women are playing in the church yeah. are, are uh, quite central. Yeah, quite central, yeah, and and absolutely uh, equal footing. So, in fact, he says there is no, there is now no longer yeah. male or female in which Christ, which is which is you know <laughs> the same as there's no more Jew or Gentile. Yeah, all of those dividing things, mm. like we're all one, and um, so it, it actually something really revolutionary has been happens and you know stark recognizes that you know that that meant that women had a say in in who they married and when they married that mm. this is important um so uh th- there was no more female infanticide uh, so female children were often uh, thrown yeah. out and yeah. exposed left to die that happened no longer so this because of the way that they were thinking about what god was doing that's you know, right exactly and, and and the whole approach to gender actually was completely transformed mm. so f- so far actually from the new testament mm. feeding into uh the wrong kind of patriarchal suppression of women thing that is a cult that, that is a, a an unfortunate element of um, past history, the opposite of that, actually, uh, yeah. what you find, particularly in its time, is the Bible doing something quite revolutionary. And that's acknowledged uh, at a historical and sociological level by the best uh, analysts. Yeah. And and dare I put it out there that it is still a revolution to, to today. There are still instances, there are still churches and community groups, not just in the West, but all over the world, where this gender equality yeah. this true you know spiritual gender roles how they how yeah, Paul yeah. lays it out here are, are still revolutionary are yeah. still doing revolutionary things uh and we're not we're not discounting or poo-pooing anybody who has experienced yeah. uh you know some sort of you know box or suppression for you know for mm, for, yeah, for, yeah, for for yeah. gender or anything like that uh but we want to make light here that you know Paul is talking very clearly as to what God's command is yeah. for us how we then flesh that out that's the question yeah. for the church yeah that's right so i i i think it's it's actually a wonderful a wonderful uh passage and and i i think it's remarkable for its time i i I've always found this to be so, and and this bore fruit historically. It becomes a key element in the growth and success of the early church. Okay, so let's get into the nitty gritty with the two. There's two words, and he sums it up at the end. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation again. At the end, there in verse 33, at the end of the chapter, he says, "So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect." 
her husband. Mm. Why the two different words in your experience, in your interpretation? Why doesn't he just say, hey, everybody love one another? Um, I, th- I think he's I think he's speaking to a particular uh, context there, but he's also um, recognizing a, a difference in roles in the relationship. So this is nothing to do with equality or, or value. Um, uh, it's uh, but th- there is there is a um, we can acknowledge here that he he recognized that there are different roles uh, for, for for the gender, um, and um, I think. He actually is speaking there to what is probably the most common abuses of that. You know, uh, that actually he recognizes that husbands really need to love their wives sacrificially. You know, yeah. There's too much ruling over. Um, and, and he's, he's calling on, me, on, on the, on the husbands really to take the lead in that, in, in so that actually, they can be respected by their wives. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's, come on, guys, l- let's have some s- sacrificial um, s- to our leadership, like as Christ gave himself up for the church, mm-hmm. which makes it then possible for your wife to, uh, respect, to, you. to respect you. Isn't it, isn't it funny? I know, I know we're sort of dealing in stereotypes and generalizations now, but that's still true today, like 2000 years, nearly 2,000 years later, those stereotypes of – you know, uh, even the most godly amongst us, and we're talking as two husbands here, you know, two wonderful wives, where if we we get in our own heads and get sidetracked from what Christ is calling us to do, our love for our wife as far as, ex, you know, that mm. sacrificial love, like we have mm. the mental love, oh, yes, yes, of course, I love you, you know, we can just say, yes, yes, of course, uh, you know. But that that mm. exhibition, that day to day sacrificial love, mm. can can fade into the background, and then the the respect that a wife should have for a husband, mm. and not not again, we're not talking over lording mm. respect or anything like just that natural respect that mm. a woman has for a man in that relationship mm. can it's all interconnected, it's all connected there, yep. and it's so typical yep. of what what gets broken. Mm. Yeah, that's that's very true. And of course, you and I are the perfect husbands, aren't we? <laughs> Wives do not listen to this. Uh, (laughs) Kate and Benita, you can uh, skip this episode. We'll make sure you don't hear this one. All right, let's move right along on that note. Uh, We're we're heading into, uh, we're wrapping it all up here. And, uh, you know, we we head into chapter six. Uh, of Ephesians, the final the final chapter here in this beautiful uh, beautiful little six chapter book. Uh, one of the most common questions that come out of um, six. I mean, of course, we're going to skip over a little bit. There's a bit. Well, I'll just cover yeah. it really briefly because yeah. there's a big question that mm. people have asked us about, and uh, we we then get into after he's talked about husband and wives, he talks about children and talks about you know how how children and parents connect to one another. Mm. Uh, he talks about slaves and masters. Yeah. Troubling for some people. Some some people want to use this uh, as a proof text. Verses five yeah. to nine that somehow the Bible then allows yeah. for slavery yeah. Yeah. or approves slavery. Yeah, of course that's ridiculous. We'll we'll actually talk about that uh, a bit more when we get to Philemon yeah. uh, a little further on. Um, but there again, actually, it's this is so easy to miss uh, because it's the classic. Thing of us reading the Bible through our cultural lens and making judgments going back. What actually is happening here is absolutely revolutionary. And um, Paul is actually really changing sl- slavery, actually from the in- inside out. Yeah. So it is something that needs to change. Yes. But he, he doesn't go at, at an institutional level. He goes at, as an attitudinal level because 
the way that households work, you can't just say, get rid of all your slaves. Well, what are they going to do? Yeah. So yeah. it's about, instead, Paul says, treat your slaves like your brothers. I mean, that's in Philemon, that's what he, he says about uh, this, this slave owner. He says, I'm sending this runaway slave back to you, um, and I, I want you to treat him like a brother. And that's it, it's so, so revolutionary for the time. In fact, in the early church, again, you've got this, you had this bizarre situation of equality where you've got uh, at the same communion table, this, which in that, those days was a meal, you've got masters sitting with their slaves at the table. Yeah. And that was meant to be a symbol of there's no, there's no slave or free anymore. Yeah. Uh, and, and in fact, the same pattern, no Jew, gentle, no slave, free, no male, female, yeah. we're all uh, equal and we're all one. All right, so if Completely you've got, revolutionary. If you've got questions about slavery and the historic role that slavery yeah. played and you've got questions Hold about- it over. Yeah, <laughs> especially even the last few hundred years of slavery, even if you've got questions about modern day slavery yeah. and what's happening, put a pin in it, jot them down, maybe pop them up onto yeah. the Facebook group because we will be getting to it in a few yeah. weeks' time. Uh, now, we get into this final final part of uh, that, this second half of uh, chapter mm-hmm. six. Uh, one of the most uh, well-known parts of Ephesians, the whole armor of God. Mm. All right. Now, uh, again, we can we know, uh, you know, experientially, Paul is writing this from prison. Mm. He's got Romans, Roman guards, yeah. and soldiers, and centurions around him. Yep. He can he can sit there and look at him, and like a good teacher, uh, like a really good teacher, he takes something very practical <clears throat> and well-known to his mm. audience. And uses each part of that as an illustration for yeah. something bigger. That's right. So it's he uses the illustration as as a um, illustration of the, the fact that we we are protected and we can be protected um, uh, from what is is the big uh, is the big question here. Mm-hmm. And he begins this uh, this section by saying, "Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil." For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, and I'm reading from the ESV, mm. um, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Oof. Okay. So uh, the question is, what, what is he what is he talking about there? Now, the first thing we need to put out of our minds is the sort of mythological um, portrayals of Satan and demons, you know, with horns and a forked tail and a, and yeah. a trident. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> can we can we sweep that off what the about, table? What about angels with big, you know, with big muscles and big wings? Can we can we have can we have a bit of that with a toga on? Yeah, no, no, we can't. We okay, can't. We, I'm, I'm afraid we can't. Um, uh, because th- these are spiritual, uh, these are spiritual beings. Uh, uh, some mysterious. They, they are angelic beings, mm-hmm. um, uh, and the Bible acknowledges that there is a spiritual realm, and there are um, conscious entities that are not, nevertheless, embodied like we are. Um, uh, that's in 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 summary. Now, yes. there's a lot of. It's actually difficult to be systematic about. You know uh, what are they and how how are they and when yeah. were they created and and uh, now but we do know a fair bit actually because the Bible throughout speaks a lot about uh, angels uh, and and demons and um, demons are basically fallen angels they're like rebellious uh, rebellious angels and again I just think to, to, again to get the mythological 
pictures out of our head. Um, just think spiritual beings, they're rebellious, um, these rebellious spiritual entities. Yes. Now, uh, spiritual forces uh, of evil in the heavenly places. By heavenly places, he doesn't mean they're in heaven. He means uh, heavenly places, he means the spiritual realm. Yeah. Okay, that's what he means by that. Yeah. And if you're a science fiction fan, I'll even let you let you bring it into modern sci-fi speak and say <laughs> the spiritual dimension. Uh, okay, whatever that, all right, yeah, okay. You know, right, whatever, yeah, I'll, I'll let that go well, through. Yeah. That, that, allow, that allows, you know, whatever this yeah. alternative dimension that holds the spiritual realm in, into it, yeah. think of it like that. Okay, so let's go back, let's go back to the beginning. So in the beginning, um, this uh, archangel, Satan, um, rebels against God. Mm-hmm. Um, now, how is that possible? How is it possible to rebel against God and not be immediately destroyed? Well, um, l- let's just put s- some things together from what the Bible talks about. Well, God gave the world to human beings to rule over, which means that what we say goes, okay? And when God empowers, he doesn't disempower. He gave us real uh, power to set the culture of our of our world. Yeah. Now we were to do that in His stead to reflect His image and to implement God's will. Mm-hmm. Now, even if we didn't choose to implement God's will, but chose something different, what we chose would apply yeah. authoritatively. Yeah. Which is why we've got the world we've got. Yeah. <laughs> it's what it's actually a lot of you know. This is why. How does why does God allow? If, no, well, God was committed actually to us getting what we wanted. Yeah. And human beings got the world that we chose. We, we, we've uh, we've got, successively yeah, chose over yeah. the, gen- the generations. And let, let's and let's. I'm going to be. I'm going to play Pollyanna for a second. We've made a lot of great choices over the years, humanity. As in, there are some great things. There's some great things as well. That's right. And yeah, and, and when know. we do that, has positive impact. Anyway, so in the beginning, that that choice, uh, you know, th- there there was uh, really, in in a sense, an opportunity there. I, I'm, you know, just reading between the lines. Satan thinks, well, they've been given this realm to rule over. If if I can trick them to sort of harboring you know, or, or coming along with me, if I can get them to rebel with me against God, yeah. it's almost this sense of Satan gaining permission from them to exist in the world. Yeah. Um, in in the realm of the world, which includes the spiritual realm associated with the world, so um, uh, you, you and you get this you get this sense uh, as you go through scripture that that Satan, far from being an equal, very far from being an equal oh. force to God, it's you know yeah. it, it actually is this um, subservient almost parasitic force on human beings, sort of parasitically needing human beings to um, hide behind, as it were, or yeah. leech off somehow. Yes. And, and the sense of getting permission from us yeah. uh, inadvertently, you know, because by by tricking us and by tempting us to join his rebellion, essentially we are giving Satan permission in, in doing that. So let's think about Job, a classic uh, section at the beginning of Job yeah. where- Which is ha- probably the heavenly- earliest, the, probably the first book, you know, one of the earliest books yeah. that we have of the, of the record of humanity yeah. is the book of Job. Yeah, that's right. And uh, so you have this this heavenly vision where all of the angels present themselves before God. And it says, and Satan, Satan comes uh, with him. them, actually. Yeah. And, God's, and, and God, you know, calls him to account, you know, what, 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 where have you, you know, where have you been? He's, oh, I've been wandering throughout the earth, going to and fro. Yeah. It's, almost, it's like a boast, actually. Yeah. So I can go wherever I want in yeah. this world. Um 
And again, the implication is because these people have, have given me permission, which, is, which answers why God then says, ah, but have you considered my servant Job? Yeah. You can't, he, he's not. Yeah. You, you, you can't touch him. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's not giving you a, a, an open door, mm. which is why it then the challenge is then to see if Satan can get Job to turn away from from God. Because as long as Job is the way that he is, he's a threat. You see, he's a threat, and um, uh, you you sense this in the ministry of Christ. Interestingly, uh, when Christ, wherever Christ went, it's like his presence drew out the evil. The poison, His very yeah, present drew yeah. out the evil. Yeah. And so wherever he went, you have these demonic beings manifesting mm. in all in all these different situations because uh, his presence as the perfect man who was fully God, yeah. perfect, fully, fully man, fully God, mm. um, he poses a threat, right, uh, to them. Yeah. Uh, because he because it was mankind's job actually in the beginning. What what Mankind should have done is drive Satan out. Yes, they didn't do that. They instead, effectively, they invited him in. Yep. So, what do we see Jesus doing? The very opposite. Mm. We find him drawing Satan out and driving him out. Away. And um, and so that's you see this spiritual battle. And we talked about that in a past um, episode with respect to Daniel and yes. the the dynamics there. In uh, is it Daniel chapter ten? Yeah, uh, uh, nine and 10, ten or eleven. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, nine and ten, where um, you know we meet Gabriel, and we talk. Yeah. Gabriel talks about fighting against the Prince of Persia, and like yeah. <laughs> these these uh, angelic kind of battles going on in some uh, inconceivable sort of sense. Yeah. Um, so, so it's a reality, and and Paul is pointing to that reality, and Jesus certainly pointed that to that reality. I mean, he wanted to point out to his people that actually our enemy, you think the enemy is the Romans, actually they're not the enemy, that's the people that we need to reach out to. The real enemy actually is is the evil one, is Satan yeah. and his uh, and, and his and his cohort. So spiritual um, forces fighting against us. And and the uh, the common theme throughout all of this, and, and like what I love what you're 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 stringing together here, Matt, is the big overall picture, this big overview, which is a very um almost like legalistic way of thinking, like it's almost like contractual. Yeah. You know, God made yeah. this promise. Yeah. Satan goes, aha. Yeah. Like like, yeah. like a crafty lawyer. Yeah. There's a there's a foothold here. I yeah, can that's in. right. Yeah. There's a loophole. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I can drive through this loophole and I can change everything yeah. through that. And it was all and the loophole was this the the same thing that was birthed in in Lucifer slash yeah, Satan yeah. himself is this pride. Yeah. Is this wanting to be God? Yeah. And 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 that's where Which is all- exactly what he draws human beings into. Yes. You know, don't listen to God. Yeah. Uh, eat eat from the tree, uh, uh, then you will be like God. Yeah. Uh, it's and And we know, we know that that's yeah. exactly what Adam, Adam and Eve did. They made that choice mm. to usurp, you know, the, the yeah. you know that God's God being that's God. That's right. And it, it still goes on to today. That's right. It gives actually a greater significance to the issue with temptation. Yeah. The issue with temptation is not just that he wants to make us do bad things just because he's, you know, evil, you know, like twiddling his fingers. And actually, it's because when we yield to temptation, essentially what we're doing when we yield to Satan's temptation is it's permission giving. We're saying, you have a right. You have a right to influence my life you have a right to influence my family you have a right to influence this this yeah. realm uh, and so it's permission it's a permission giving this is the seriousness yes. actually yeah. uh, of of 
of temptation. And, and it's almost like in that, in the, if you're thinking about it in that role of authority, it's it's in each person's life. You're basically saying to the enemy, to Satan, the devil, whatever you want to call yeah. him, the enemy. You're basically saying, "Oh, you can rule with me." Yeah, let's. I'll rule yeah, with yeah. you. You're giving him permission to. Yeah, that's rule. right. It's and, permission and it's like, giving, and it's like. You know, but the you know, but the, here's the glorious thing, and let's not just dwell yeah, on yeah. this. The glorious thing is that at the drop of a hat, at the moment, at the at the blink of an eye, yeah. you can turn to turn to Jesus and say, "Enough." Yeah, that's right. Enough, yeah. and it's done. Yeah, that's right. You know? And and this is the um, because the moment it, it's guilt that keeps us tied. The contract, you t- it's a good imagery actually, because the contract is sealed by our guilt. Yeah, you know, as, because because as long as we're cut off from God, we're powerless to resist that influence. But the moment guilt is broken over our lives, we again are empowered um, and and, and Satan has no hold over us. So that that moment of taking our guilt to God, which we don't don't have to um, make it go away, we, we, we bring that to Christ, and 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 the you know the moment that that is lifted off us, we're, we're free from that contractual yeah. connection. And, and I'm using a meta, you know we're yes. using a metaphor. Here. I want we, to be careful yeah. yes. uh, with how we do this. Yes. Um, now, now the other thing that I think is important to point out, and and that some people uh, ask me, is it possible for a Christian then to be possessed? Uh, by the devil, and well, this is this is all about terminology. This is now. terminology yeah. because actually, um, uh, it, it, it certainly is possible for us, as we know, to be to be tempted and influenced because that's that, that, that's up to us. We can be if we uh, if we yield to temptation, yeah. we're giving that permission, as it were. And if we couldn't, if we couldn't be affected by the enemy, then Paul wouldn't have. Yeah, that's this right. Yeah, exactly. Then he wouldn't have this passage in yeah. there. And as you've rightly said, you know, as we bring that and and. And confess our guilt. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's lifted from us, and, yeah. and, the, and the tie is broken. Mm-hmm. The, the problem, the, the misunderstanding, is with that word possession. Actually, yes. it never appears in the no. Greek text. No. It was a um, the, the word demonatio uh, in, in in Greek is just. It's actually more like demonized yes. when Jesus came across people. Yes. They weren't demon possessed; they were demonized, yeah. literally uh, in the Greek. Yeah. To some, ex- you know, to a greater or lesser extent, yeah. and in fact, a lot of the people he comes across to a greater extent yeah, exactly. rather than a lesser extent. Yeah. But the confusion is caused by this idea of possessed. They were yes. possessed by. Well, that's misleading no, because a uh, demon does not. When you think of the word possession, you think ownership. Yeah, that's there is, right. There, there is no. Yeah, p- that's possess- right. The so, enemy does not pos- does not own anybody, and that's what you see coming out time and time again in the ministry of Christ. He's taking ownership yeah. of what he's. You know, that's right. Yeah. And in fact, in in that time, these were God's people. You yeah. know, yeah. and but and yet they were they were demonized, and Jesus Christ sets them free. Yes. from that, with a word, I may say, it's not yeah. like some great battle or no. it's just get out of here okay. and, and it's and it's done. Um, so th- I think that's an imp- that that has muddied the waters uh, actually, and I, I, I the English translations do tend to persist in using w- that word possession, which yeah. which doesn't help. The and so when clarity. it comes and when it comes to that word, now th- now we get into, and this is not what this passage is about. So we'll move on very quickly. Uh, when it comes to the believer, someone who's truly uh, you know a, a blood bought you know son or daughter of Christ. At what level can the enemy attack them, and what levels can someone be demonized once they are of faith? 
I think that's a very one-on-one case. I don't think, yeah, personally, yeah, yeah. I don't think you can say some blanket statement like, oh, no, because I'm a believer, I can do anything and I can go anywhere and the demon and the devil can't touch me. Well, yeah. be careful. Yeah, be careful. Yeah, that, You're relying yeah, too much on yourself. Rely on. And this, is, and this is the practicality of Paul that I love so much in these verses here from verse 13. Yeah. He says, right, here we go, God's armor. And yeah. all of these points practically, yeah. you know, Ensuring and stabilizing yeah. the Christian in every aspect of their yeah. life, so they are able to fight against the yeah. enemy. You know, it's yeah. beautiful. That's right. And all of the elements of the armor in that metaphor that he uses are things that are given to us. You know, we're given righteousness, and we, we're clothed in that uh, in that gift. Uh, uh, you know, we're, we're given uh, the truth. We're given the, the, the that peace. Um, the feet. Fitted ready with the gospel of yeah. peace, you know it's something. It, you have peace with God. You don't need to. You're, you're forgiven. You're set free. So wear that forgiveness. Wear it like a like like armor. Yeah. Don't be. Don't allow the devil to lie to you and keep you in in condemnation. And and that's that's what he's he's wanting to get across. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Okay, well that wraps it up for the book of Ephesians. He has this final little, you know, his final little, you know, goodbye. Pray for me. Pray for everybody. He really gets very. I love that personal touch. Yeah. In verse 19 and 20, where he says, Hey, listen, I'm in chains and I keep on preaching. Yeah. Pray did that I will still be bold. You know, mm. he, he sort of lays it out. He asks for prayer about himself. And then he's talking about, you know, sending, uh, you know, uh, is it Tychicus? Tychicus? That'll do. Yeah. You know, he's sending he's sending this with a person and he's going to give them a full report. And that personal touch at the end. I love that humanity side we see. Yeah. I, I, I love that actually about the letters. Um, um, perhaps we, we might expect something more idealized, some some streamlined piece of. Uh, but actually, this this is written to particular people at particular time, because this is real. This is a real movement in real time. It's really practical. Things are happening here. Uh, it's not just ideals. A lot of s- material that you have, you know, for example, in the Stoic philosophers or the uh, other writings of the time. It's all highly idealistic talking about things that are so far removed and in in many cases not even possible and yet the writings here are so practical and um, uh, it's so realistic it's not only is it possible but it's happening it's actually happening right there and Paul is speaking into that and feeding that thing so it's uh, it's a it's a wonderful and inspiring record Ephesians, tick that box. Well, at least for now, we've uh, enjoyed uh, going through it. I hope you've enjoyed listening to us go through it as you've been reading along in Thrive. Now, we answered your question at the beginning of this week's episode, and we need your questions. We love getting your questions about what you're reading in Thrive. And I'm going to give you one simple way on how you can get those questions to us today. And that is by joining our Facebook group. We have a private Facebook group on Facebook. It is at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Thrive Deeper. Again, facebook.com slash groups slash Thrive Deeper. You can ask to join, you'll be admitted straight away, and you can join nearly 400 other people as they ask their questions. Well, until next week, we'll talk to you then. This has been DJ Payne for Thrive Deeper.
Thanks for listening to Thrive Deeper. If you have questions you would like answered, contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Thrive Deeper or at the Thrive Today website where you can also subscribe to the Thrive Daily Bible Reading Guide. That's at thrivetoday.net.au. Until next time, Thrive. Thrive.